If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to the book of Romans in the New Testament, chapter 12, as we have been in this book, and we will be here for quite some time. We're actually in the last week of a series, within a series, on what I call the gifts of grace. Romans chapter 12, we'll be looking at verse 8, the latter part of it. Welcome every one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. We made it to March. We made it to March. February, that's a fun time, isn't it? I feel at some level like, like we're all just kind of like crawling out from underneath a rock. Like we just barely made it like, you know, like, you know, the bear that wakes up from the den. That's kind of what we're doing as we turn the corner into this month of March. I heard somewhere that we're setting records on warm temperatures, so we rejoice in that. There are a lot of opportunities for you to spend your time on Sunday doing a lot of different things. And someone, someone in your family, or maybe you yourself, said, hey, I have an idea. Let's, let's spend time in the house of the Lord with the people of God, and let's listen to the preaching of the Word of God. Let me remind you that you have made a wise choice, as the Lord has set apart this day for this very purpose, that, that the Spirit is present with us. And these few moments are absolutely key for building us up in the word to make us effective and faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, um, we have some ground to cover as we look at this final gift in our list, list of the gifts of grace. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we look into the word of God this morning? As the psalmist prays, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. And we know, Lord, that you see us righteous when we put our faith in the full and finished work of Jesus, and we rejoice in that truth. I thank you for every single person that has gathered here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us, and we just pray that you would be glorified in these few moments as we listen and learn together. Father, I pray for those that are in the midst of heartache, that are struggling with sickness or discouragement or depression, where there's darkness that is overwhelming. Father, we lift up the people of Ukraine, especially at this moment. I pray, Lord, especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would give them strength as they minister in the most difficult of settings and environments. Father, we pray even for those that are attacking. It says, Lord, that we're to pray for our enemies and I pray Lord that you would bring them to the end of themselves that you would change hearts Lord that you would heal and restore I, I pray for dear Alina's family in, in the Ukraine and I just pray Lord for protection and comfort 
May we, Lord, not for a moment take for granted the freedoms and the graces and the blessings that you've given to us, but may we maximize moments like this to lift up those in need before the throne of grace. Father, personally, I just ask for help this morning. Just give me clarity of word and thought and speech. Guide us, direct us. May we be faithful, we ask this in the amazing and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. I could not help this morning when we even began, as Matt was leading us, in forgiven, that we are forgiven. I could not help but notice of looking around at people who were literally wiping tears away just out of gratitude. That, that we are truly forgiven, declared righteous through Jesus. And, and, it's, and it's because of that that the Lord actually, what it, we began in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, we're, we're no longer conformed to this world. We're not like the world. It actually says that we are to be transformed. We're not conformed, we're to be transformed, which means that we are totally different than we used to live. We live different than the world lives. It says in Scripture that the old things have passed away. We, we used to think like that, and we used to do that, and we used to laugh at those things and be entertained, but the old things have passed away. It says what? Behold, everything has become new. And part of the blessing of being a new creation is that God has graciously gifted to you not not only eternal life forgiveness of our sins but he's gifted to us spiritual gifts I, I love you you know that and and you've heard it I love receiving and there's something about like here's a box and it's like got a bow on it and it's got your name on it and it's and it's mine and I love that we love gifts God has given to every one of you who have acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at least one spiritual gift for the purpose of what? Building up the body of Christ, edifying and glorifying God. We've looked at the gift of prophecy and serving and teaching and exhortation and giving and, and last week the unique gift of, of leading. Today we'll look at the seventh and final gift. But I want us to hold on. Hold, hold on tight to the idea that with all spiritual gifts, hopefully what we've made it very clear that you are to use your gift or gifts for the good of the body. Which, which means what? You need to be in the local church. You need to be here. You need to be present in order to be built up and edified by the gifts of others. If you're not here, you can't be edified and built up. Which means what? You need to be in the local church for other people to be built up, to be edified by your gifts. Remember the author uses a perfect, perfect illustration of how this works by using the human body as a metaphor. A body doesn't work as it's been designed and intended to work unless what? All the parts, all the members are present. Without eyes, you can't see. Without ears, you cannot hear. Without hands, you can't grasp. 
and reach out. Without feet, you can't stand up. Without members of the body present, the church is not going to function. It's not going to edify. It's not going to glorify as God has divinely designed and gifted the church to function. You know what window shopping is? And we've probably all been there. I remember places, Fifth Avenue, Michigan Avenue in Chicago, even Rodeo Drive. And, and, and you, you, walk, you walk by like shopping places and there's a shirt in, inside. You can like buy a shirt for like $600. Like, wow, let me have two of them, please. What, what do you end up doing? You just like walk by and there's a window and you have your face pressed up to the glass. Like, wow, look at that. Somebody's really wasting that much money on a shirt. In a sense, window shopping is really what's happening with what people who just want to kind of look into the church. They don't want to commit. They don't want to connect. That's the equivalent of people who are what? Trying to say that they worship, trying to say that they fellowship, and they're settling for a computer screen or a television. It doesn't work like that. Hear me on this. No connection, there's no edification. It's pretty easy to remember. I, I, I designed it. Both of them end with I-O-N. So you remember it. No connection, no edification. Having your face pressed up against the window, looking in, is not going to cut it. You're not going to be built up, and you're not going to be able to build up other people. Gifts, gifts are not given for your own enjoyment. You've received this gift. It's not for your own self edification or self-exaltation a christian has no right to hold on to to hoard to withhold your gift from others in the body that's why that's why what's happening here like hey i got an idea let's go to church on sunday that's why this is so important a study on the spiritual gifts is a study of how god has designed and intended the local church of jesus christ to work Today's gift before us is a gift. I mean, this, this, this before us is a blessing to the body of Christ. And what the body of Christ is to be a blessing within the community that we've been called to love and to serve. It should be, it should be that if anyone in all of the world wants to know what does mercy look like? They should be able to look at the local church of Jesus Christ. It should be the walking, talking definition of mercy. Here's our, here's our text for us this morning. Mercy, the gift of mercy. It says the one who does acts of mercy are to do this with cheerfulness. If you recall, some of the first words of this chapter began with what I appeal to you. Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. In a sense, our entire text has been steeped in this thought. 
What I found quite interesting is that mercies in, in verse 1 and mercy in verse 8, they're actually, they're actually two different Greek words. The, the former, in a sense, is more of a passive. It, it's, it's having received mercy or received compassion. We're recipients of what God has given to us. The latter, the one that's used here, is more active. It's what? It's the giving of mercy or the showing of mercy. What does this mean for us? As we have received God's mercy, Lord willing, with hearts that are filled to overflowing with joy and gladness, we are to give it. As we have received, we are to give. I believe the whole body of Christ is able and should be willing to do that. However, what we see in our text is that we have some people sitting here right now within our own body that are uniquely gifted, that are divinely empowered to exercise this gift different, unique than others. Virtually every translation translates this verse almost identically. There's very little variation at all, with the exception of that word cheerfulness is, is sometimes translated gladly. The, the Greek word that's used here for mercy is eleio, and it means to show mercy, like I said. It's active, to pass mercy on, to have mercy, compassion, to show pity. However, however, there's a problem here. There's a problem here. I would argue that mercy for us is not natural. In, in the first century world, mercy was actually, was actually criticized. When people displayed mercy, they, they were... They were ridiculed because it was a sign of weakness. An ancient Roman philosopher actually says that mercy is a disease of the soul. There's something within inside of us that does not normally or naturally show mercy. But I, I would argue that what? Although it's not natural, it is. And it should be Supernatural. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says that mercy is the result and the effect of God's goodness. It would take me well over an hour, an hour and a half, just to read verses. Without saying it, would just read verses on the mercy of God and how mercy is what seen throughout the pages of Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Psalm 145 says what? The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is slow to anger and great... In mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Psalm 136 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Can, can, I, can I admit something? Please don't think less of me. Naturally, in my flesh, me, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have the time, I don't have the patience. And yet, for some reason, as the Holy Spirit what, empowers us, 
empowers me that we all have been created in the image of God. Therefore, we are to be controlled by the Spirit of God. He can supernaturally equip us and empower his own children to display this most most magnificent attribute. I have found myself in tears and looking at someone who's in absolute agony and pain. And, and let, me, let me tell you, that's not me. That's not me. That's not a lot of us. But you see, at some level, we have this idea that mercy is, is connected to, I, I can do this. At some level, we, we almost convince ourselves, okay, like we know, okay, we're not supposed to be kicking puppies and, and throwing rocks. We're, we're not supposed to be doing that. So we convince ourselves like, okay, I, I can care. See me caring? Are you appreciative of that? I, I, I can show concern, but, but the caveat is what? I can do this if, if you respond. If you reciprocate, if you appreciate, just, just say thank you. What? I'm willing to go as long as you're willing to go. That's in a sense what happens with inside each of our hearts. But that's not, that's not what God does with us. Hear me on this. There, there is nothing... There is nothing within us that can or will adequately reciprocate the mercy of God apart from the divine work of the Spirit of God. You see, what happens is this is where we begin to gloss over the severity of our own sinfulness in the sight of God's holiness. You see, we actually deserve suffering. We deserve what? Death and separation. However, there's this, this, this verse that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, But, but God, being rich in mercy. Which means what? Mercy motivates toward mercy. And, and I would propose that you can't mask the real deal. You, 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 can't, you can't fake mercy. I'm not talking about dropping $5 into the little red kettle with the guy ringing the bell. What's he ringing the bell for anyway? I don't ever really understand that. We see you, okay? Like we see, it's a red kettle. You're standing right in front of us. Ringing a bell? And I'm sure good things happen. But at some level, that's, let me, hey, watch me. And we drop five bucks in, and we're like, whew, good to go. Christmas time. Merry Christmas to you, man. Can you stop ringing the bell? You know, I think it's important to, to note here that mercy is divinely endowed. It's a divinely endowed ministry with a unique special sensitivity to suffering and sorrow without any ifs. There's no ifs. 
Like, I'll drop five bucks if, no, there are no ifs connected to it. Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines mercy like this. It specifically designates that quality in God. Notice it's his quality. Specifically designates that quality in God by which he faithfully keeps his promises, maintains his covenant's relationship with his chosen people despite their unworthiness and unfaithfulness. I, I love, I love that definition of mercy because what? It points to the, to, to the one who is merciful. And it reveals to us the fact that we all can blow it and we all have day after day after day. And he says what? I will keep my covenant with my own. Keep, keep in mind that we are to show mercy to others as God has shown mercy to us and there's no ifs there. Let me give you a working definition. We try to do that each week as we kind of work our way down through. Here's a, a definition, a working definition for the gift of mercy. It's the spirit-given ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for people who suffer and translate that compassion into cheerful deeds that reflect Christ's love and alleviate suffering. I know it's a long definition. We'll get that to you later on. You can write it all down. So that, that in a sense, is, is the what. Like, that's the what it is. Now we are to look at it. What's specific here is this is the only time that we're told to exercise a gift with a how in the cheerful sense. How this gift is to be exercised with cheerfulness. It's the Greek word, heroiates. It has connotations. If you hear that word, it, it actually has some connections to this word that we're probably a little bit more familiar with. It's the word hilarious in English. And it means what? It means happiness, cheerfulness, joyfulness. So it's, it's not only ministering without any ifs or ministering or caring without expecting something in return or without a grudge. It actually says that we're to minister and exercise this gift with delight. And that can be taxing. Why? Because look at the needs around us. Just consider our own community for a moment. It's King Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 14, he who despises his neighbor sins. Think about your recent interactions with neighbors. Guy who, who just cut you off at the light. So your neighbor. Guy with the big huge head that you can't see in front of you right now. It's your neighbor, Okay. The, the, the girl who waited on you, like, like why do you got to be so mean? Why do you got to be so rude? I just, I need a stamp here. Like, why, why, why is everyone so rude? Why is everyone so mean? That's, that's your neighbor. The, the needs are everywhere. And, and what Solomon wrote, he who despises his neighbor's sins, but happy is he who is gracious. The, the disclaimer here is that we're to exercise the gift of mercy a specific way with cheerfulness and joy. 
Why? Why? Excuse me, I got a question. Why? What's it matter? Why can't I just show you mercy? Now it's like show you mercy with a specific qualification to it. This is hard. It's already hard to show mercy. We know that. Now we have to show mercy like this. Why? Why is it that the Holy Spirit gave the author, the Apostle Paul, this word in this letter? To the first century church at Rome. And why is it that the Holy Spirit gives it to the 21st century church in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania? Why? Let me, let me tell you why. Because extending mercy is exhausting. And you know exactly what I mean. Extending mercy is exhausting. Think about it. What was our definition? When you feel genuine empathy you're not just looking in okay whoa i feel bad for you because your life is a wreck it's not just that you're beginning to take on their own pain when you feel genuine empathy what is our definition and we extend compassion for people who suffer it can i don't think all the time but it can very quickly and easily wear you out wear you down and today i think it is so important in our world because there are so many needs around us i've described it like this i've heard it described like this there is a black hole of needs around us that we very easily can get sucked into thus the importance of what it all connects to us being a living sacrifice romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 remember the ground rules Submitting to, surrendering to, allowing the Holy Spirit, relying on the Holy Spirit to give you. Like you and I can't do this. But the Holy Spirit can, can equip us and empower us. Can actually give to us a sincere sense of joy that as we minister towards other people, we actually care, we actually love. Then what? When we know it's the Holy Spirit, there's evidence of that, and we read that in Galatians chapter 5, that, that, that proof, fruits, we would call it, of the Spirit. One of those is what? Joy. What happens is that we can do something, but sometimes it's like, are you happy now? That's not what we're talking about. A great debate in Dialogue with some people this week. Theoretically, you could, in a sense, kind of present or attempt, I should say, to make a case that says if there's no joy, then really there's no mercy. Because God doesn't want it, right? God loves a cheerful giver. If you're not cheerful and you're giving, then whoa, he doesn't, he's not waiting like on you. And I thought for a moment that we are to show acts of mercy with cheerfulness, with cheerfulness. If it's not with cheerfulness, maybe we shouldn't do it. I, I don't know if I would press that too far. Why? Because regardless of how you feel, and there's so much emphasis on how people feel today. It's all about how you feel. Regardless of how you or I feel, hold on to this. We've been shown mercy. It doesn't, doesn't really matter how you feel. Like, forgive me, I, I love you, but according, it really does. Why? Because I don't oftentimes feel very joyful when we display mercy. And I don't think I'm the only guy in here that would feel like that. 
And, and yet what? Regardless of how we feel, we have been shown mercy. Just as Jesus taught, Luke chapter 6, listen to this. I, I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He says, if you love, Jesus himself said this, if, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. We're different. All has passed away. We've become new. We're not conformed to this world. We're transformed. That's why Jesus says what? You love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, no ifs. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And remember this. He closes in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I, I can only speak for myself. I, I would hope that you could speak for yourself and say what? I, 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 I am most grateful for the mercy that God has shown me. Like, there's a lot of gunk in, in my flesh and in my heart. Like, whew. And every day I need to fall on my knees and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, O God, a sinner. And every single day it says, well, his mercies are new. I hope you are grateful for the mercy that God has shown you. He has, he has what? He's shown that by, by loving you enough to offer his own son. It says that he came to us. Remember the little baby in a, in a manger? That's the incarnation. That's God left the glories of heaven. To be down here so he could feel the exact same pain. Be subject to every single temptation that we all are subject to. God loved us that much. He came to us. He reveals himself to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through what? Brothers and sisters who offer words of counsel, encouragement through the word of God. I, I'm thankful that through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, any one of us can stand before a holy God and we can be declared righteous, justified. Not in the merits of my own heart or life or not in your own efforts or works, but through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that we are to offer a cup of cold water to the thirsty, but I, I, don't, I don't think there's a greater display of, of, of mercy than sharing the good news of the gospel in a bad news world, which means it goes beyond a cup of cold water. There's nothing greater than showing and sharing good news of the gospel and bad news. Well, Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have obtained 
access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice. We sing loud in the hope of the glory of God. Finally, let, let, me, let me encourage you with this because this is key. A lot of times we think, well, I don't have the gift of mercy, so excuse me, I'm, I'm excused. No, that's not it. Let, let me remind you that also if you've been given a certain gift, as we all have, we have a responsibility to use that. It actually says, what, earlier in Romans chapter 12, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And that's kind of like, well, that's, isn't that a little obvious? Like, it's been given. Let us use them, which means what? It can be hard because whatever gift that, that you have, for some reason, you want, you want the other guy's gift. I was out to dinner uh, just recently and ordered the same thing that my buddy next to me and, and, and both of the, the dinners arrived at the same time. It's the same thing. And I looked at his, I'm like, man, yours look better than mine. Like, why is that? Hey, there's something like inside of us. We want what the other guys, in, in baseball, you'd use this analogy. Some of you, I know, I get it, all right. Pitchers always want to hit and hitters always want to pitch. Which means at some level, people are always discontent with the job that they've been given. But let me tell you this. Let me remind you of this. If God has blessed you with an arm, and God has given you the gift to throw hard, nasty stuff, then you stay on the mound and you do your job. And let the other guy do his. I, I think that's how we have to hold on to this image of what God has called us to do. Likewise, what? If the Holy Spirit has given you... In acute awareness of the outcast, of the downcast. For some reason, you see them. You see her when no one else does. If the Holy Spirit has given you a compassion for those that are just down and out. You're the one who pulls over when you see somebody broken down inside the road. As opposed to driving by and splashing them. You, you for some reason, you see these things. If the Holy Spirit has given you, what, a sincere love and care for the weeping mother. The Holy Spirit has given you an awareness to the angry and, and the confused child. No, nobody else seems to recognize that, but you do. If the Holy Spirit has given you, what, a burden, like there's something heavy in your heart, and you find yourself moving toward the addict. The hurting, the sad, the lonely, the abused, the forgotten, the teen that's struggling with their identity. You, you seem to pick up on the dad that's, that's hiding the secret addiction, the, the young wife that has been neglected. You, you see the kid who just feels that, what, she can't do anything right. doesn't matter what she does. It's just, it's not right. Nobody, no, nobody. And what, the, the peop, people, the, the list is long here. We don't, we don't have to look real hard to see what a world that is, is hurting all around us. The needs are great. And I would challenge you with this. The, the, the time is now. That clock doesn't stop. 
and, and you just went through a week that God has given to you and, and you're so absorbed with our own hurt and like the busyness and craziness. What about those that are hurting around us? We are to what? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What did the Lord Jesus Christ leave for us and teach us and tell us? What did he show us? Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and they were dispirited. Like a sheep that has no shepherd. Sheep are notoriously dumb animals. They can do one thing well, what? Find trouble. And, and, and a person like a sheep wandering around out there alone is what? They are in absolute danger. That's why God has what? Called us and uniquely equipped and empowered us to follow Christ's example. He saw them and he had compassion and he went to them. Matthew chapter 14, when he, he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and again felt compassion for them and healed their sick. You realize that's what God has called you and I to? Like that's, that's stuff that matters a thousand years from now. Doesn't matter what truck you drive. Doesn't matter what house you live in. Doesn't matter about the degree on your wall. What matters is what? You following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and showing compassion for the lost and the hurting just like he has shown compassion and mercy to you and I. You personally may have the gift of mercy if you have the ability to sense hurt. You're just aware and respond to it in sincere love. You're generally kind and gentle. You, you just feel like you want to reach out and you do this with a sense of joy that you want to get involved in someone else's life. It's going to be messy. I'm thankful that God wanted to get involved in, in my life. Oftentimes it's, it's, the, it's the deacons amongst us. Men, women who have been what? Uniquely gifted that we 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 see that they have a compassion the the, the julie borges amongst us she can give me long lists of people that are in need i didn't even know i didn't even know i didn't even know and she just sees that susan valerio could, could you pray, Pastor Tim, about this? Because my, my neighbor's neighbor has a cousin, and that cousin has a granddaughter, and, and they're aching, and they're hurting. Will, will, will you join me in prayer about this? Praise, praise God for, for people like this, the Yuri Rosie pals, who somehow, what, he doesn't have enough hours in the day because for some reason... His wife been praying, and this, this face came to their mind. That we just have, we have to serve them. Like, Pastor, we need to serve them. They're in need here. Diana De Palmas, those people that, that just, they, they, they come alongside. And a ministry of presence, but yet it's more than that. They ache. They weep with those who weep. We have to be careful here. 
make sure that with, with all gifts, there's strengths and there's weaknesses. We've kind of gone through this, and I'll go through this very quickly. You can write some of these down. I'll make sure they're sent out to you from the office. Strengths are what you just have a keen sense of awareness toward another person's hurt. That's a wonderful thing because a lot of us just naturally don't have that. Drawn to the outcast. You're attracted. You just, you just seem to love the unlovable. Everyone else passed over this particular person. They don't see them sitting alone in the corner. And a person with the gift of mercy runs toward the person that a lot of people just run away from. Yeah, he was rude to me. I don't like him. Somebody else can minister to him. No, that's not the gift of mercy. They embrace humility at some level very sensitive spirit that makes them aware of their own weaknesses, of their own failures, thus seeing what enable to minister without a judgmental spirit the needs of others. Weaknesses that exist is, I think in all honesty, because they are so gracious and they can be so kind, people can take advantage of them. People can see acts of mercy as opportunity to, to pray to use them or, or take them for granted. And so that's why I think a person with the gift of mercy has to have other people speaking into their lives to keep them in balance, to make sure that they're not being what? Taken advantage of. I think they can unintentionally even create codependencies where people are relying upon them to solve all of their problems rather than what? We need to be dependent upon the Lord first and foremost. And with these types of ministries where it's what? It's high impact. There's a, a black hole. People can very easily get burned out just absorbing and taking on the burdens of others. Of others. Sadly, when I've witnessed that people get burned out from the exercising of the gift of mercy. There, there can be a resentment, a, a bitterness, kind of like put a hand up and I will never go there again kind of a disengaged, and that's dangerous. It's true, you cannot solve the world's problems. How do I identify? This is where last week I said maybe you ought not jump into the pool to, to recognize a gift of leadership, let other people recognize that for you. The gift of mercy, you're, you're back in the pool. Okay? You learn how to swim. The only way you're going to learn how to swim, you're not going to learn how to swim by watching YouTube videos. Okay? It's not going to happen like that. You got to get wet. Well, you find out if you have the gift of mercy, you got you to get involved. Ask the Lord for an increased awareness. God, I'm not seeing it. Help me see. Open my eyes. The Lord will answer. Look for opportunities to help carry another person's burden. It might be, what? Literally a bag that is too heavy for them to carry. Or it may be, what? Sitting alongside of them and weeping, knowing that you've both been forgiven, both undeserving of God's mercy, and move toward a hurting person, not away from them. We have actually right now in our own body right here, a, a group of people, and it's referred to as mercy ministry. Mark Lowen's leading that team alongside, working with the deacons, and our, our benevolent team, that, that these are our people that are high mercy givers. And we need to equip them and prepare them and teach them 
if, if you feel that you want to be involved in that at some level, there's a little connection card, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, directed your attention to. Fill that out and say, I think I have this gift. Help me out. Put your name or email or number on there so we can get in touch with you. Isaiah 61, I'll leave you with this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. This is what God has called us to. He sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Connected to the body, to be built up by the body, and you can also build up others. This body, what? As an absolute shiny example of what mercy looks like for the community that God has called us to live in and to love. May the Lord bless you as you listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to your life. Understanding the the glorious gift of having been recipients of his mercy so we can extend that, offer that to others. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your word that teaches us. Help us to understand the responsibility, the weight. But help us, Lord, not to see it as, as an obligatory burden, but an opportunity to sense the closeness of your spirit and enjoy the joy that you give when we're faithful using the gifts you've given to us. Bless this church. Bless this family. As you've called us to be obedient. In your name we pray. Amen.